Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Take your Bible with me and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Thanks for playing behind me, Brother Tony. You may continue. I like it. 1 Kings 17. How many like that organ? Sounds great. 1 Kings 17. This was the passage God used to change my life in the area of finances. And I wanted to share one one point out of this passage before we receive the offering today. 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, "Bring me a bite of bread too." But she said, "I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die." Amazing that people would rather make a plan financially for them to die than to give. Well, what if I give that? I won't have anything. You already don't have anything, most people. The average American has $200 in their checking account and no savings. Oh, that, that church just wants your money. You don't. There was a guy in a halfway house in California, Sanger, California. I went to go preach at a halfway house while I was preaching at a church. A bunch of guys got saved from the halfway house. And then I, I think about two-thirds of the guys at the halfway house had come to the church and got saved. So they extended the meeting a second week, and I figured I'd just go and get the rest of them. So we brought Chick-fil-A for everybody, and then I preached and gave an altar call. And this guy came up to me and said, sorry I never came to the church. There was a rumor going around here that you just wanted our money. It's a halfway house. And the guy had told me he had $5. I said, do you actually think my wife and I were sitting home scheming in Pittsburgh? I know what we'll do to make money. I'll fly, like we don't have halfway houses in Pittsburgh. I'm going to fly to the West Coast to go preach to people that have been out of prison for six or seven days, 11 days, and try to get their money. He said, no. Actually, while you were preaching, I was thinking, I don't even have any money. So that's what the devil works by ob obscure and misinformation. People, you, you know what? You've invited people to church. I, that's a cult. I, 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 I. They, they have some false information and then when they get in the anointing they hear the truth of God's word because the devil knows if they ever hear the truth it's over the truth will set them free amen so people do that people cling to the little they have you know we sowed the fourth I think it's the fourth I know it's not less than four we sowed the fourth hundred thousand dollar seed from our ministry this year uh this last week in the Pastor Rodney's new building because every time I've done that I've seen a huge explosion you know even a hundred thousand dollars when my I won't say it's the devil I hear a lot of preachers they have a lot of conversations the devil was telling me it's like well he talked to him quite a bit so I'll, I'll blame my own carnal mind but you know you think that's a lot of money but it actually isn't even a lot of money what are you gonna do with a hundred thousand dollars you can't buy land you can't you certainly can't buy a building Pastor Rodney expanding his already existing building. 
what was $11.3 million. So it's, it's not 1930 where $100,000, you're going to retire on it. When the Lord speaks to you about a seed, he wasn't trying to starve that woman and her family to death. He's speaking to you to take the little you have that's not enough. Put it in his hand and watch it become more than enough. Can you say amen? So that's not the point I wanted to make, though. That's just extra. She said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Or you might have a translation that says, bake a cake for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. Listen to that. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. In the first version of the New Living Translation, verse 16 says, No matter how much she used, there was always plenty left over. Say that with me. No matter how much they used, there was always plenty left over. One more time. No matter how much they used, there was always plenty left over. Our ministry accountant, Patrick's here, and he could tell you, we, I don't know what year it was, but we've hit that place because we've tried. We've tried to, to, you know, our projected budget last year was $7 million of expenses for the year. It ended up being $13 million something. So you, you, you miss your budget by, by double. You, that's going to bankrupt people. If someone would have told me that last February that it's 7, I was nervous about 7, that it was going to be four, 13, I'd have just died on the spot but it's not like we're willy-nilly spending money if a church grows the expenses grow so i just made the choice no we're not going to pull back in fear and say well no, we can't move into this building because now we'll have to pay money every week plus now we'll need a bigger sound system and that's going to be a quarter million no i'm going to find out whether the god that's growing the church has the money to pay for it or whether he's one-dimensional well i I answered your prayer and sent you a lot of people, but Jonathan, I'm sorry to report we, we forgot it was going to cost a lot of extra money. No, God's not stupid. The same God that opens the doors for you to walk through will open the windows of heaven to pour out the provision to pay for the advancements that you make. And I want to tell the many business owners that this church attracts for some reason that I want you to remember that. God never expects you to pay for the next level that he's opening up with the last level's finances. As you have faith to walk through the door, God will show you a plan and give you instruction to pay for that, like you guys, because it's, it's exciting. Trust me, like what you did, I, I just did a year ago. It's exciting to get the building. When we had the last building donated to us, 107 patent, it's exciting. Then it's still $1.2 million to build it out. That we ended up, Guess what? That all came in too. God's not stupid, and God's not broke. He opens the door. Look at the instruction from Elijah from God. First instruction, fear not. Some people stay broke because though they're miserable, they're at least comfortable and, and know 
how to survive on whatever little amount of money, like her. I'm going to die, but I'm at least comfortable living like this. But God is asking you to, by faith, step up to the next level. Trust him to go forward and watch God do for you what only God can do. Between that lady from St. Louis telling me about her daughter and then Pastor Angel and a litany of other people, the Lord laid something on my heart last night for offering time about focusing your faith. With, when you don't turn, like if your faith is a faucet, if you leave it shut off, fear comes in. You're having the circumstances of life dictate to you how you believe in what's going on. So why do people see miracles when we fast? Without going into, back into all the teachings we did for 21 days, I'll tell you one thing that 21 days does is it gets people to settle down and some people for the first time in their life start answering the question on the inside. What are you believing God for? What are you believing God to do for you? If you ask most, not, not unbelievers, if you ask Christians that, well, whatever he wants to do. That's not how faith works. Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood said to herself, I know when I touch him, I will be made well. She decided by her faith what she was going to get. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? Faith can't work until you start to have a desire to go forward. So what happens on the 21-day fast is people, for the first time, some of them, and maybe it takes till day 8, where their, their flesh actually quiets down enough and, and your routine's broken. You're going to church twice a day, listening to the Word online. So by eight, day 8 or 9, day 11, you start getting this thing rise up in you. It's, it's like, uh, I haven't talked to Pastor Scott and Pastor Angel, but I, you go from saying like, well, there's no buildings here. And we're not going to be, that lot's too small, so we're stuck. And Wellsburg doesn't have any room. To, what about that building? What if God, you start getting your faith pointed, and instead of repeating what's against you, you start speaking by faith and calling those things that are not as though they are. So, Elijah got that woman to focus her faith for a desired result. He didn't just say give. He said, bake, bake a piece of bread for me first. And when you do, you see that jar of oil, the cruise of oil and the jar of meal that you're concerned about? Those two things will not run out. They won't fail until the famine comes to an end three days, three years from now. So she did as Elijah said. She didn't just give. Elijah got her to focus her faith. What are you believing your seed to accomplish for you? Some people never do that. They've never given their seed an assignment. I did it by accident. Two Octobers ago, listening to, to Jerry Savelle at Dr. Rodney's, getting ready to pay $550,000 down payment on 107 Patton Drive. And I felt the Lord speak to me at offering time. Are you believing? And let me tell you this. I came to that offering with the intention of giving nothing. Like, I had made up my mind. I came here to hear Dr. Jerry. We already tithe and give offering. I'm not coming to give anything. I have to pay $550,000 in 12 hours. So... You people can fend for yourselves. I did not come to give. And when, I, when, when Dr. Jerry was speaking, I felt the Lord speak to me. Are you believing God to give you, are you believing me to give you favor? 
at that meeting tomorrow with the owners of the building? Yes. Then sow a seed like you teach other people to do. Okay, you got me. And I thought, and I felt a hundred thousand, you know, a building seed is not $50. You're, believe, you're believing me for favor on a multi-million dollar building, sow a seed that shows you're believing me for it. But on, in my flesh, I thought, now, 550000 now you want me to pay 650000 That's my. That's your flesh. Say this out loud. Faith can work in your heart while doubt is in your head. Your head will fight you. As long as you're in a human body that, that goes by sight and, and, and flesh, don't let that discourage you. Believe in your heart. Your head can fight you as long as you don't let it come out of your mouth. Death and life are not in the power of your thoughts. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. I guarantee you that lady didn't say, no, you're right, Elijah. No, I guarantee you she was still screaming on the inside. This isn't going to work. But she believed and acted on it, and she got the result. They took time during that prayer and fasting to focus their faith on their property. I, I did it then. Then we got the call on Monday that the owner just gave us uh, uh, waived the down payment and said just pay 10000 a month and then after we paid 10000 a month for three months walked in with the three checks in the deed and said I like what you're doing you can have the building deeded it to us not let, let us use it Gave, like, like them we'll loan it to you no we will sell it to you and you can use the money for, for what you want just change their mind there is a different flow that you get into when you start giving to the work of the Lord see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. You know, we're starting to check the news back up again tomorrow at 9 o'clock. We used to do it at 11 o'clock, then we moved it to 10, and now we moved it to 9. Because our, our demographic for that show is in their mid-hundreds. They go to bed around 7 or 8. So, we're moving it up. It's, it's getting difficult for me, and anybody that's watched me knows how I understand government. And I understand how important it is for the church to get engaged in, in, in government because you can't spread the gospel in a country that's not free. Having said that, I'm starting to find myself get very detached where I don't care because I've seen the last two years that when the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? It means if God is for you, who can be against you? I realize that I have tapped into some spiritual laws in that, in that book that nobody can thwart. I guarantee you right now, if, for, forget the local government. If the Department of Justice made me public enemy number one and froze our bank accounts or put me in jail or both, well, this ministry would not skip a beat because I have followed the instructions that God said. Just like Paul, it would grow in prison. We, we, we'd have a new campus at whatever prison they put me in. Adalis would hold it down here. I promise you, you can't bless what God has cursed, but you can't curse what God has blessed. And when you become a giver into the work of the Lord, you secure the blessing of God on everything that pertains to you. Can you say amen? amen. I mean, case, case in point, then we'll receive the offering. We had $50,000 come in the offering uh, three Sundays ago, 55000 which is great. That was on YouTube. Then me and Pastor Rodney go on Daystar Television, and they take us both off YouTube within two days. Somebody with a purple crew cut that's still making up their mind what gender they're going to be saw us on TV. You know, they monitor Christian TV. They didn't like me smiling. I didn't even say anything. I just wore a crooked bow tie 
and sat by my friend. And they take him off YouTube, and then they take me off YouTube. Well, usually about half of what comes in comes in online. So that's the devil trying to choke out your finances because now, yeah, and this is a great crowd to preach to, but you have whatever, 700 extra people watching online at a time. And people that are online members of the church that still go places where they don't have a church to go, and they give, and now they can't watch or give. So that's the devil choking out, attempting to choke out the money. So 55000 with YouTube on, what do you think it dropped to with YouTube off? It dropped to $135,000 that came in last week during church, taken off line. And that's, that's with no $100,000 giver or fifty. That, that's just That's just the Lord. And then uh, Patrick texted me that when, when they went to go check the mail in Prosperity, Pennsylvania, I think there was over $100,000 in the mail from people this week. So it's like at a quarter million. I was in Florida. I wasn't even preaching. You can't curse what God's blessed. That's what people don't understand about tithing. They want 10%. Better 90% blessed than 100% cursed. You're, you're not throwing the money away. It's not a tax. It's putting something in God's hand so that he has something. My, uh, my first and second grade teacher usually comes here, and I get her to back me up because I, know, I remember a lot of what she taught me in first and second grade. Where's she at? Oh, Miss um, Patricia, what is anything times zero? Zero. She taught me that. Anything times zero, zero. So God can't multiply nothing. There has to be something in his hand. When he fed the multitude, he took a little boy's lunch. Is a little boy's lunch enough? Now, I heard some guy from Yale Divinity School say that the loaves of bread were much bigger back then. Okay. Smoke some more crack. It was a little boy's lunch. I don't care if his mother was the biggest Italian woman in world history. You can't carry enough bread as a little boy to feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. The, the excuses people make to take the miracles out of the Bible require more faith than if you just believe the Bible. The loaves of bread were actually much bigger back then. Yeah, you can picture the little boy walking around. Five loaves, two fish. I think the Bible even says in the one translation, five small loaves. Dummy. Not you, this guy. So, is five loaves and two fish enough to feed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children? No, it's, it's actually enough to feed one small boy. And then if he has a friend, maybe his friend. And that boy took what wasn't enough and put it in Jesus' hand. Jesus blessed it and then break it. And everyone ate until full and there were 12 baskets left over. And then Jesus collected it in the 12 baskets, and it doesn't say who got it, but it would sort of be theft if the little boy didn't get it. And the Bible says everybody ate until full. So he thought he was going to give up his food so other people could eat, but everybody ate until full, and then he came. Now, 12 baskets, even if they were small baskets, like Burger King-sized bags or Dunkin' Donuts-sized bags, you can't carry 12 of those. So the kid took what was in his hand, put it in the hand of Jesus to feed the multitude, and then ended up with more than he could carry. And that is how giving and receiving works. Put a target on your seed. When I sat there, now I didn't know, they weren't teaching on it. 
But when the Lord spoke to me to give 100000 I thought, all right, Lord, I'll do it. But as I do, I need you to give me favor. Because I don't have enough. I had enough. But then I know it's going to be cost above that. I could use your help. In this building, specifically, the help for the building. Not, I, I, I pray that the sun shines tomorrow and butterflies will circle. I need tangible help. And I want you to know that if you're new to this church, which everyone's new to this church because it's a new church, I want you to know that this church does not believe in pretend things. Like, I had them testify. They don't have a ghost building or a prophetic painting of a building. They have an actual building. This church believes in a God who helps you in real life with real things, not ethereal things. We do not use the Bible as some kind of spiritual marijuana to escape from the harsh realities of life. You remember that video I played a couple weeks ago when Al Jazeera was doing that profile on Pastor Enoch Adeboye? And that's what they make the church out to be. Here the people come to escape the harsh realities of their life. I'm not here to escape the harsh realities of life. I'm here to get full of faith, speak to the harsh realities, and command them to move by faith in God. Say it out loud. I'm not here to survive. I'm here to take over. Say, the righteous shall possess the land. I like that they bought the biggest building in their town. I'm tired of seeing the person that has the most faith to buy a place. How can somebody have faith to buy a big property to distill alcohol to the population and the church that's charged to distill the word of God rent from everybody, ask if they can have a little place to meet? Those days are over. The righteous shall possess the land. The hand of God is upon his people to do great things. An offering time is simply a time where you can turn your faith loose in giving, like the woman did. So she did as Elijah said, and no matter how much she used, there was always plenty left over. Everybody say, plenty left over. This ministry has plenty left over. Trying not to. Not you people are supposed to give all your money away. We keep doing it. It keeps coming back more than we gave. We, we gave over $2.5 million away last year to other ministries. There's people we give to that I forgot we give to. Thank you so much. For what? Well, you, you did this, this, and this. Your church. Oh, you're welcome. Totally forgot. I'm not keeping record because I don't expect you to pay me back. But I do expect God to do what he said in his word. We don't give to get. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? When people throw that out and say, now we don't give to get. What, what, what does that mean? If Jesus said, give and you shall receive, I, I'm not given trying to force God to give me something back, but I am expecting him to keep his word because he doesn't lie. And if you read the Bible, seed time and harvest is about seed time and harvest. Did Elijah tell this woman one thing about his ministry? Did he say, if you could give to me, it'll help me because in another chapter, I'm going to go call fire down from heaven and kill all the prophets of Baal and Ashtera? And bring a national revival to Israel. No, he never said one thing about him, his needs, or his ministry. He never said, if you could help me out, I used to live over by Kareth Brook, but the brook ran dry, and the ravens stopped coming to bring me food, so if you could help me. No, no true prophet needs the seed of the people. Prophets are supernaturally sustained. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
My dad was preaching on the mission field, and we were out of food at my house, and a lady ran, came by smoking a cigarette and dropped an envelope off at our house when I was, I was there at nine years old with $380 in $20 bills in it with a WDVE Rocks bumper sticker and heavy metal coming out smoking a cigarette. People say, like, it must have been an angel. I don't think so. <laughs> she didn't seem like an angel. She came. My, my mom had just started to pray. She didn't know what we were going to do for dinner that night. And it came. That's why even though I grew up in an anti-prosperity church, you have trouble turning me against it because I, I saw how my dad not even pushing for it and my mom not pushing for it. The Lord just took care of us supernaturally. I was listening to a podcast six months ago. It was a, a pastor and his son that they said, we're going to tackle the prosperity gospel. So they start taking shots at it. And the young son that just got out of Bible school kept taking shots at it. And I noticed his dad went quiet on the podcast. Now, I know the dad. And his dad was a preacher and a good one. And I thought, there's no way this guy is going to be able to stay. You can't tell me you grew up in a preacher's home and didn't see God do things for you. God's a good God. Even the anti-prosperity preachers have to come out with statements why they have such a nice watch. Well, someone gave that to me. Yes! That's what happens. So I noticed the dad go quiet. And he goes, son, I, I'm just going to stop you right there. He said, I understand there's abuses of this message. But he said, e this was his words. He said, even as you're saying these things, I have alarms going off on the inside of me. Yeah, pay attention to those alarms. That's, you, that's the Holy Ghost going, shut up. I have alarms going off on the inside of me. Reminding me of all the things that God did for me growing up in the ministry. I mean, I've hung, hang around some missionaries. But try preaching that gospel on foreign soil. You think God doesn't provide? I just talked to a guy from Istanbul, Turkey that had a, the same miracle that happened in West Virginia happened in Istanbul. Because the same God in Pennsylvania and West Virginia is the same God in the Middle East and Africa. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, who knows how to supply the needs of all his children and give them the desires of their heart. If you believe that with me, go ahead and clap your hands. Go ahead and take your envelopes. What are you believing God to do for you? That lady needed food for her family. What are you believing God to do for you? Hey, evangelist slash pastor Eduardo Vargas, come here real quick. I, I didn't even know you were here. I know you don't know who you're clapping for, but give my friend a big, big hand clap. Huge crusades in rural Mexico and then just launched a church less than a year ago or over a year? Less than a year in, in Costa Rica? And I can tell you've been fasting. You look like a coat hanger. I want to have him tell you what the Lord, just quickly tell him what God's done for you with property in the, in the TV. And now Costa Rica. So we've got West Virginia, Turkey, Cincinnati, Costa Rica. It doesn't matter to God. He doesn't care where you're from. He's the God of every tongue, every nation, and every race. Hello, everybody. God bless you. It's an honor to be here this morning, here with my family. My wife really wants to be here. We were, we were on Pastor Ronnie's 
conference and we just got here yesterday, my wife was like, I want to go and see what's going on over there in Pittsburgh. Because if you don't know, we got saved through this ministry. My wife, she was lost, I was lost. And then the message that Jonathan preached, that's exactly what changed our lives forever. You know, we got so hungry for the Lord. And then, like Jonathan said, last year we went to Mexico. We did a big crusade over there. We were helping Pastor Randy build a mansion that he built over there for a pastor in Mexico. It's about over 8,000 square feet mansion. You know, seven rooms, seven baths. And then the Lord did great things. We saw over 50,000 souls in eight months come to Jesus. Cartels, all kinds of people got saved over there. Yeah, it was amazing. The, the town he was preaching in, the cartels forbid them to have church there. And then the hitman that would come by and make sure they weren't having church ended up getting saved. So you're, you're, you're looking at a real man of God. They don't, let it, they don't let you preach there. You don't have to let life dictate to you what you can do. You can get an instruction from God and override everything that's against you. Yeah, it was, it was amazing what happened over there. And, uh, you know, the Lord was dealing with me about Costa Rica for a while. So when I got back from that mission, I spoke with Pastor Randy because he's my spiritual father. I said, hey, this is what's going on. We're going to go and open a church in Costa Rica, but the Lord is calling us over there. And then really, I just want to say also thank you to this ministry because maybe uh, Jonathan don't know because I probably never tell him that before, but... They sow a seed every month to our ministry over there in Costa Rica. I didn't know that. And then with that seed, with that seed, we've been paying, we've been paying the rent in the building that we are right now. And then, you know, in that building, we see thousands of people come to Jesus in the last nine months. Nine months we've been there, and we already impact like, I don't know how many people. People are growing. People are serving the Lord over there. We just did a crusade in my town where nobody had done anything like that before. And then we saw 10,000 people come to the meeting during three days. 10,000 people. And then for the glory of God, we saw 7,000 souls say yes to Jesus. 7,000 people say yes, say yes to Jesus. In a town of 144,000 people. You know, the Lord spoke to me that eventually we will have a building like this. Where we're going to have a 10,000 seater on that place. 10,000 seater, you know, like what he's preaching is so real. It's changed my life forever. And I'm so thankful. And it's, it's so such an honor to be here this morning to receive from this ministry because... We want to take this to Costa Rica, you know. Costa Rica needs this. Not only one building. We, we are called to build many churches over there in Costa Rica. And then we got favor, like Jonathan was saying, we got favor with TV. This man spoke to us, hey, whatever you need, whatever time you need, we, we, are, uh, we are available for you guys. And then God has been doing amazing, amazing, amazing things, you know. And uh, I just want to say one more thing before I go back and sit down. When, when my wife and myself, you know, we, we, we met Jonathan the first time. And we started serving the Lord. 
and then we start uh, partnering with the ministry and and then one day he was doing the first crusade in nice town philadelphia and uh it's like the lord highlight this black guy on the on the crowd you know he was drinking and smoking cursing everybody and then the lord is like i was i was helping jonathan at the stage i was security you know i was helping with security and then the lord is like look at this guy the whole time so i keep my eyes on this guy not even five minutes after Jonathan grabbed the mic, you know, like the, the same guy who was drinking and smoking and cursing everybody out, tears coming from his eyes. And then the Lord spoke to me, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to go to the nations of Latin America and do this. What you're seeing right now. I said, like, really? How? I'm not prepared. I don't even know how to speak in public, you know. I have no boldness to say anything. But, you know, I just keep following the steps, keep following the steps, keep, you know, keep receiving from the man of God and this ministry. And then later he gave me a scholarship to go to Pastor Randy Howard Brown. And obviously, you know, everything changed over there. You know, the Lord gave us a DNA for souls. And that's what we've been doing over there. We've just been winning souls for Jesus. In the last year, in, you know, a small church in Costa Rica, we won over 15,000 souls over 15,000 souls crusades, outreaches one on one in the streets whatever opportunity we have to win souls that's what we're going to keep doing until we die so uh, thank you pastor we love you a lot good job if you know anything about stocks which I know enough to lose a lot of money but there's one kind of stock called an ETF and then you buy that stock and then they invest in a bunch of companies. So when you, we're the offering version of an ETF. Because you give to Revival Today, but your money goes all over the world. Amen? If you're interested in feeding starving kids, we do that. If you're interested in Hispanic people getting saved, we do that. I was able to lead a Dallas to the Lord. And then uh, if you're interested in Dutch people getting saved with their wooden shoes and windmills, we do that get our tentacles out all over the world amen so if you've noticed an unusual blessing on your life since you started giving here that's why because you're doing stuff i honestly was about to say to patrick let's support him every month but i guess we have been for how long for a year i should look over the paperwork more often praise god how many of you have seen an unusual blessing come on your life since you started giving to the Lord? I know I have. Unusual. Father, as people sow seed today, I pray an unusual, uncommon blessing. Buildings, houses, lands. Your word says you'll inhabit homes that you did not build. I thank you for that word coming to pass. In Jesus' name. I pray that nobody in this church would ever know the meaning of the word lack or dryness or insufficient funds. In Jesus' name. I pray they'd go from too much month and not enough money to too much money and not enough month. In Jesus' name. 
you're watching online, revivaltoday.com. How about let's outdo last Sunday? We're at about 2.2 million in reserve, which obviously we're getting ready to make some big moves, so we need to stack up a lot more than that. But uh, I told the Lord, if you get me to three, or when you get me to three, I'll, I'll, I'll sow a million, and that shouldn't take much longer. I've been looking forward to sow a million dollar seed my whole life. This is my goal, not to be a millionaire, to give a million. Like when I see Amazon donate a million dollars, it makes me want to kick an Amazon truck and dent it. You don't have to have a hundred billion dollars to give a million. You know how much you have to have? A million. So I'm looking forward to that. So on a one million dollar seed, because when we started to make a hundred thousand our standard seed and do it routinely, that's when like, it just, where you don't even know what you're spending money on. Now, Patrick keeps tight. I don't want to make it sound like we're just like Pablo Escobar's girlfriend or whatever, just spending whatever. It's, there's tight controls or you go to federal prison. But I'm telling you, I haven't prayed about money. I haven't thought about money. Before any need arises, the provision's there ahead of time. We feel to go on Russian television. Hey, I heard you wanted to go on Russian TV. Here's $260,000 from Washington State. Never been there in my life except for the Seattle airport. Hey, we heard you want to do this. Hey, you heard you're going to Pittsburgh to rent the stadium. Here's $200,000. Let me know if you need any more. Then they send another $200,000 without asking for any. Just, there's no prayer request. There's no prayer. <laughs> See, people think when you get into prosperity, it dominates your thoughts, but it's actually the other way around. When God gives you an overflowing cup, you don't think about finances. Just think about who to bless. I was sitting down at that thing last week, same way I support... Pastor Eddie's ministry. I just look around for people to overflow on. Can you say amen? Can I tell you something? Your life is going to be a severe blessing to many, many people before you go to see Jesus. That's a fact. God doesn't have you here to survive. That's the first step. The first step is you start giving and God starts meeting your needs, but then it, it doesn't stop there. You start having more than enough to affect change in your generation. I see you doing that in Jesus' name. If you receive that, clap your hands one more time. Thank you for your giving online. Thank you for your giving here. Go ahead. Let it rip, guys. You can be seated. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 28. Uh, the first weekend of every month is Spiritual Emphasis Weekend. So we have our miracle service. Friday, February 3rd at 7 p.m. This is all, all, all events other than Sunday morning are at 107 Patton Drive. Uh, communion service, Saturday at 6 p.m. And then back here next week, 10 a.m. Seniors brunch, February 11th, 11 a.m. You can register at rtcregister.com or at the table in the back. Water baptism, February 12th. We should baptize a lot of people. If you've not been water baptized, get water baptized. I know that's not, I know as a pastor you're supposed to say, if you have questions about, just do it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Should I get baptized? Yes, you should, and you should do it February 12th. Uh, we've had no drownings. We've done four now. No one's died. Feb, uh, Revival Today Youth Kickoff Service, Thursday, February 16th at 7 p.m. Obviously, everything went on pause during fasting and prayer, so we're starting everything back up. Jesse Duplantis will be doing Sunday morning, February 19th, 10 a.m., right here. He'll be back. And then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll let you know a couple other things. So let's get three outreach teams going. 
Pastor Augustine. Did you do outreach? Okay, so Pastor Sammy's done it. By the way, I'm not hiring random people. He's a four-year Bible college graduate. Plus, he's from the UK, so he's got an accent that makes him sound like he has a doctorate degree, whether he does or not. Uh, him, Brother Anthony, let's get three teams going. We have Al Equip up the road. Where, where did um, our friend, the police chief, get shot at? What town was that? Breckenridge? All these places. There should, be, there should be 50 people minimum in church, new people from those three spots. Hit them and get them on a bus. I have the vehicles. Do everything short of chloroform and duct tape. And get people here. There's just people marching around with nowhere to go. I was in Tampa down t- uh, uh, downtown yesterday. They are having some kind of pirate festival, buccaneer festival. It's just all people dressed up as pirates walking around. They don't, there's not even going anywhere. There's no destination. So herd the people onto the bus and get them to church so they can get saved. Amen? How many enjoyed last week's meeting? Brother Co- Pastor Kofi, the three outreach teams, you heard? I want aggressive West African-style evangelism where you're witnessing while pushing onto the bus. Has anyone told you about Jesus? We're going to do part two today. Last week was reversing the curse, redeemed from all the curse of the law, and we're going to do the second part today, reversing the curse that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So the Bible tells us two things in a golden scripture we're going to read, Galatians 3, 13 and 14, that Christ redeemed us from the curse and he didn't just redeem us from the curse. If you grew up Pentecostal like me, they only emphasized that part. Everything was getting free, getting free, getting delivered. Everybody just got free and delivered their whole life because they never told him not only were you set free, but Jesus didn't just die to break the curse, but that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. Can you say amen? This is it acted out in, a, in, in, a, in 10 verses. Acts 28, 1. Everybody say reverse the curse. Acts 28, 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Everybody say, shake it off. So how did Paul deal with the tax? Please pray for me. I was just bitten by a snake. Everybody say, shake it off. Say, no weapon formed against me can prosper. He shook it off into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Seven, near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people of the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. 
this 10 verses, these 10 verses, in, uh, encapsule, encapsulate, Miss Patricia, encapsulate or encapsulate? Ca- encapsulate? Encapsulate. I will never play Scrabble with you. I'll be embarrassed. These 10 verses encapsulate when people say, I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe in that health and wealth gospel. I would like you to then explain to me what you do with those 10 verses. Because Paul, and we're going to show you the revelation he had that caused it to happen. If he landed on an island, he didn't get sick. He was already poor. You couldn't be any poorer than Paul was. He was shipwrecked on an island. He owned no property. He didn't even have his freedom. He was a prisoner. And by the end of the 10 verses, he had not only, not only was he not sick, think about it. He's in his late 50s or early 60s. He's been at, at sea, shipwrecked, holding on to planks till he got washed up on Malta. So if it was normal, it would say, and Paul, being in his early 60s, was battling pneumonia from being in the elements for that long. Think of how it should be. It's not even Paul waiting for them to build a fire and say, when's the fire going to be ready? I'm freezing. I've been in the water. Paul's the one chopping the wood and gathering to build the fire in his 60s, probably while the 27-year-old prisoners are, thanks, Paul, I'm very cold. No problem. And so you see an unusual strength. You see that when he's attacked and the devil says, okay, I wasn't able to drown him, now I'll get him with this snake. The same way he shook the shipwreck off, he shook the snake off. Impervious, the shield of faith quenches all fiery darts of the devil. Now, we're going to see from the Bible that didn't happen because Paul was an apostle. There are no special promises to someone because they're an apostle or prophet or an evangelist or pastor or teacher or church worker. You can be an evangelist that doesn't know the Bible and doesn't believe the Bible and have nothing. You can be a pastor that experiences nothing in the realm of the supernatural, in God's provision or healing power, because God doesn't care what your title is. God is only moved by one thing, and that is when you say, I believe God, I believe God's word, it will be as he said in my life. Pastor Rodney did that building in five and a half months, $11.3 million, paid cash, no loans. And the bigger miracle, you can't even get architectural drawings in under seven months. So I don't know. I don't ask questions. I just clap and say, praise the Lord. And he was telling another pastor that. And he said, well, you know, because this, this pastor has been taking over a decade to build, multiple loans, things falling through. And he said, we paid cash as well. And he said, well, you have that kind of faith, Rodney. As if God just gave him some kind of faith. You know, they used to say to Kenneth Hagin, you have to remember, everybody doesn't have your faith. And he said, yeah, but everybody has my Bible, and that's where I got the faith. You don't get it from olive wood from Jerusalem. You don't get it from an angelic encounter. You get it from the word of God being hit in your heart and spoken out of your mouth. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. What did Paul know that caused him to manifest like this? Where where he went, the place turned to him. They all turned into him instead of him turning into them.
You know, I've told a story before. I went to a heroin flop house in Pittsburgh to go pray for a friend of mine. I ended up leading everybody in the house to the Lord. But a lot of people, some preachers, if they went there, you know, they'd end up on heroin. The place would take them over. So you either are weak enough in your spirit that wherever you go, if you got hired on a sales job and everybody cursed, you'd be throwing the F word around in about two weeks. You become like your habitat. Or you can have what Paul had, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire and revelation from the word of God. Where where you go, the people become like you. That's going to be your portion and the portion of revival today, church, till Jesus comes. And that's what Paul showed in 10 verses. The people were like him. They were healthy. He prayed for him in Jesus' name. He introduced them to a faith. I told you they still have a monument to him on that island from when he washed up on shore. Say out loud, I don't become like people. People become like me. I stayed the closest hotel to Pastor Rodney's church. Tampa because of staying open and stuff, it's like New York now. It has New York traffic. Like the downtown hotels in Tampa used to take about 22 minutes to drive to from the church. It's about 41 now. New York traffic. In Florida, because they all moved down there. So there's one hotel that's close to the church. It's a casino hotel. Now, I went there and stayed. I've stayed there quite a few times. It's eight minutes from the church. They have nice rooms. Am I up here this morning crying? I need y'all to forgive me. I fell into sin with one of the prostitutes that was at the hotel that's got three teeth and a patch over one eye. I just want to beg y'all's forgiveness. No, I don't become like them. Do you know how many of the valet parking attendants I gave Bibles to? What do you do? One guy said that to me. You're different. Of course, I was different. You should see the looks. You know, I'd go to church. Go to go to church at night, 6.30 p.m., walking through the casino floor with a Bible with a suit on. People, people just look convicted. Why are you here? I'm trying to get away from people like you. Go stay somewhere else. And then the funny thing, I, I told you before, two, two times ago when I stayed there during the hurricane, this guy with a big, long mullet, big old Florida redneck. I say that as a term of endearment. My, my dad's side of the family is from West Virginia, so it's a compliment. He's pulling the slot machine. He sees me, stands right up, puts his arms around me. Thank you, preacher. I watch you and, and that other big guy you're friends with, Rodney. You're really helping me. I thought, well, I need to help you some more, but you're welcome. Keep preaching, he said. And it's amazing how when you get in the flow, you get encouraged from the weirdest places. Hey, keep preaching. And then Thursday, I was walking out of the casino on the way to church. A lady gets off her machine. Hey, I've been watching you and Rodney on the RMI website. I think I'm going to head over Friday and Saturday. I need to be there. I didn't invite her. Just you being there. They, they become like me, the young valet guy. You know, you have a nice car, they see. Sinners can tell you're not a sinner. So what do you do? You're not, you know, tip them well. Guy's 21, writes down the address of the church, types it into his phone, marks it, tells me he's coming this Sunday at 10. He's not working. I need to, he invited. I didn't tell him about the church. I'm a pastor. Where do you go every night? To church. 
And they, you're blessed. They can tell you're blessed. And you're not doing what the other people are doing. They're all headed into the casino. I'm heading out to go to church. Come back sober. Tip them bigger than the guy that has the Lamborghini. Last time I was there was when I told you that story where that businessman found out I was in Florida and dropped off a Rolls Royce SUV. I, had, I got swarmed by valet attendants. I know it took 13 people to park a car. So what is it you do? I said, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that was not the answer they're expecting. What'd you think? I was a rapper? I've broken into the Polish rap scene. Oh, wow. One guy said, how did you make your money? I said, by obeying God. I said, you, you want some advice on how to make money? I said, get married to somebody who loves God early. I said, don't live like the rest of these people. Walking in with whoever they're walking in with. End up on Judge Judy or Forensic Files. Serve the Lord. Everybody say, serve the Lord. Galatians 3. So I noticed even in being that, in that casino for six days, the place started to become like me. And I don't teach that as a doctrine because, you know, we're not going to send our young adults in there. You'd have, you'd have people that they're not strong enough in their spirit that that stuff would be attractive to them and they'd get in trouble. I'm not getting in trouble. I crossed all those bridges a long, long time ago. I had people with me. We had six of our staff, I think. Kofi was with me. Tons of people. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm just telling you, you can put me somewhere. You could put me at a drug house or a halfway house in California or the tent city. I play the video. I'll start, I'll start bringing them to where I'm at. They're not going to bring me to where they are. Can you say amen? Say, greater is he who lives in me than he that's in the world. Because that's not what I was raised to believe. I mean, you know, we're going to leave church today. The devil's going to be out there waiting for us. Wait for me. You're under my feet, brother. And I'm not using brother as a term of endearment. I'm using brother in the Hulk Hogan sense. Derogatorily. <laughs> Say, Satan's under my feet. How do you get attacked by somebody who's under your feet? Why do you have to pray about somebody? I was listening to a Pentecostal preacher. It popped up in my Instagram feed. He's got a big ministry, but he said... You need to wake up in the morning and pray. Satan in the name of Jesus. No. How about Father in the name of Jesus? Did you know that Satan is not addressed in one New Testament prayer? Read it for yourself. Paul never addressed Satan in his prayers. And that's what I'm going to preach to you, the second part of this. The curse is broken. Ephesians 1.3, Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are one with Christ Jesus. I can cast out devils that are afflicting other people, but the, him and I are not on the same level. When I was playing Xbox the other day and an ant crawled across the table that my TV's on. I said, oh no, we're being attacked by ants. I killed him. I left him on the table for two days as a sign to anybody else in his ant gang about what happens if you come across this TV and distract my eyesight. I didn't say, Dallas, we need to pray. What if that ant, what if other people find, what if other ants find out what I did to that ant and they, they all gang up and attack us? If every ant in Pittsburgh wanted to come to my house, we have the ability to take care of it, no problem. I mean, if I had to, I'd call an exterminator, and they'd be done. 
It's not about praying about. The ant is not on the same level as a human being. And the believer is not on the same level as Satan. Satan has been defeated. Now, he doesn't have to be redefeated. Satan is defeated. He's under your feet. And you've been raised to, with Christ in heavenly places far above. Pastor Kofi goes to preach in Ghana, and a witch, nobody speaks English where he's at, and a witch starts saying in perfect English, get out of here, screaming. The devil's nervous. The devil was nervous. Get out of here. No. Me stay long time. You leave. Amen. Who's the father of sickness? Satan. Who's the father of depression? Who's the father of poverty and lack? Yeah, there wasn't any in the Garden of Eden. There won't be any in the New Jerusalem or in heaven. All that stuff came. Who's the father of divided homes? Who's the father? When Satan came on the scene, Cain kills Abel. Who's the father of problems? I'm asking you, who's the father of problems? Satan. So now make it practical. If the devil's defeated, who's the author of all those things? And he's been placed under my feet. Then all of those things cannot find a home in my life. The shield of faith quenches every fiery dart of the devil. If you're thankful for it, take 15 seconds and give the Lord a great big hand clap. Say it out loud. I'm not in crisis. I have Christ. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. But Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit by faith. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing. What blessing? Go to verse 26, Galatians 3, 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, look at that, 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How many know we're all God's children on this earth? No, you become, you're separated from God by sin. And you become God's child when you become born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. So you can't skip that part or you're just a self-help person, motivational speaker. You don't get that here. I mean, just believe in the light that's on the inside of you. If you're not saved, you don't have a light on the inside of you. You have a spiritual cancer called sin that will wipe you out. But thank God, Christ shed his blood to break the curse of sin, to break the curse of the law, and then loose the blessing on us. Can you say amen? 326. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm born again. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new garment. There is no... Man, it's hard to go. 
hard to preach the whole message. It's put on Christ like a new garment. In him we live and move and have our being. Put on Christ. Why do you think Paul could take garments from his skin and have them delivered to people that were sick or demon-possessed and the demon would come out or the sickness was healed? I mean, no, we're nothing. He's everything. Shut up. That's anti-scripture. I've put all, what does it say? This is the Bible. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism. When's water baptism? February what? 12. So do it. Because that's a symbol that you're being baptized. They were all baptized in the cloud unto Moses, but we are baptized, 1 Corinthians, in the water unto Christ. And now, the way that water is on you, Christ is on you. What couldn't touch Christ can't touch you. How are you getting nervous about COVID? I can't picture Jesus on a ventilator. So I'm I'm also not going to be on one. Now, you start saying stuff like this. Number one, this stuff has been preached so little in America in the last 25 years that people, well, yeah, but I know someone who's a Christian. It's not enough to be a Christian to enter into this stuff. You have to be somebody that believes the Bible. The parts you don't believe won't work. So you can be somebody that believes Jesus died to save you from your sins. You'll go to heaven. But if you don't believe that by his stripes you're healed, He who departs from the path of understanding will abide in the congregation of the dead. That's Proverbs. So any part of the Bible you don't understand, you live a life no different than someone that's spiritually dead in that area. But look, what what, what Christians knew anything about our covenant of land ownership? It's not preached here. So nobody owns any land. Then you just start preaching it for seven months. People start getting buildings handed to them like sweaters. Properties like t-shirts. Because why? You discovered in the Bible, wait, the blood covers more than just my sin. It covers land ownership. It covers health. It covers the full blessing of Abraham. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Have put on Christ like a new garment. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, but you're all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true seed of Abraham. You are his heirs, and everything that God promised Abraham belongs to you. Not will belong to you, belongs to you. Healing belongs to me. So if something belongs to me, I don't pray like it doesn't belong to me. Please heal me, Jeep. Thank you that healing's mine. We used to sing, we sing that song sometimes at church, old Pentecostal song. Healing is mine. Healing is mine. Healing today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Healing today is mine. Joy is mine. Not I'm trying. I mean, no, we need joy. I don't need joy. Joy belongs to me. I don't need healing. Healing belongs to me. I don't need peace. Peace belongs to me. Ephesians 1.3, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. I don't need prosperity. Prosperity belongs to me. No administration can take it from me. Can you say amen? Galatians 3.13, but Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. Most Christians believe they've been redeemed from sin, which you have been. But if you stop it there, you miss a lot. 
if you buy a ticket on an airplane and all you do is fly to the destination, but you found out that ticket also included a five-star hotel stay when you land, food when you land, food on the plane, first-class lounge, you didn't know any of that. You go regular check-in and all that. You miss a lot. And you're not much of a threat to the devil if all you know about is heaven. Heaven will take care of itself. There's no devil in heaven. But the Bible doesn't just deal with the afterlife. Godliness, 1 Timothy 4.8, is profitable. Not gives you survival skills. Godliness is profitable. Overflow. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Holding promise in the life that now is. And in the life to come. Deuteronomy 28. It's 68 verses. 1 to 14 are the blessing of Abraham. 15 to 68 are the curse. Last Sunday we took the whole service to deal with the curse. If I'm redeemed from all the curse of the law, Deuteronomy 28 beginning at verse 15 outlines the curse of the law. I want to know scripturally what I've been redeemed from. The same way you can nail a politician's hide to the wall based on the Constitution. You know, I did it last year. I won't say nail their hide to the wall, but I did go to a meeting and say, I know there's people that want us out of 107. Please remember this is not an Applebee's. This is a church in a state called Pennsylvania that was founded by a man who was not allowed to acquire land or property to worship and was given land and enshrined in the Pennsylvania State Constitution that churches shall not be deprived of the right to acquire and use property. So if you want to go down that road, you're going to lose. Because I know what the law says. Not your, your emotions aren't important to me, it's the law. You know, we got sound complaints at crusades we did. Some neighbors think you're going to be too loud. That's great that they think that. The city council said, as long as we stay below 91 decibels, that it's fine. We brought our own meter because we knew what people do, and we're at 89. So their emotions don't matter. People go by their emotions. Don't. Go by the word of God. Now, that's natural constitution. This is spiritual constitution that even the devil knows he has to back off if you know the word of God. The devil will back off of you this week permanently in Jesus' mighty name. So this is not hopeful thinking. You know, and I told you because this has been preached so little, people, yeah, but I, I, I had an aunt and she went to church and she, she got sick and we prayed and nothing happened. What are you going to base your life on? You're going to base your life on a tragedy in your family or you're going to base it on the word of God? Most people have their whole belief system wrapped around the worst thing that ever happened in their life. The Bible says the secret things in the book of Deuteronomy, the secret things, I think it's 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things he's revealed belong to us and our children forever. I don't know why my, my great aunt had lung problems even though she went to church. That's, but it's not, it doesn't deal with my life. But one thing you can be sure of, and I've made up my mind, for me, in my realm of control, as for me and my house, I'm going to have what the Bible says belongs to me. And let me challenge you. If you have gone through an extremely difficult time, I've been there a few times myself. 
Instead of giving the devil the satisfaction of that thing crippling your faith for the rest of your life. I used to believe in healing. Say, no, I know what you're doing, devil. You don't just come to steal and kill. You come to destroy faith. So you tried to use this thing to sideline me for the rest of my life. But you've got a different guy on your hands. I'm going to rise up in the word of God and make you sorry that you ever touched the wrong person. Somebody say reverse the curse. Hey, imagine if Paul got washed up on, on, on the shore. I used to believe that we had all the blessings of Abraham, but look at me. I'm filled with seawater. I'm freezing cold. I'm on a prison ship. So obviously this stuff doesn't work. In the midst of it looking like it's not working, hold fast to your confession of faith and watch everything have to line up with the word of God. Lift your hands all over this place. Lift your hands on television. Everything in your life that's not lining up with what God said, it comes into alignment today in the name of Jesus Christ. It comes into alignment today in the name of Jesus Christ. If you receive that one more time, clap your hands and give God the mightiest shout, an overcomer's shout. The devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. So what's the curse? We went through it last week. Number one, general curse. Everything you do will be cursed. Number two, poverty is part of the curse. It's listed more than any other thing. You'll plant much but harvest little. Number three, mental problems. Verse 28 of Deuteronomy 28. It's part of the curse. Mental problems are part of the curse. It's not a normal part of life. Don't listen to anybody that tells. I, don't listen to people that say the opposite of the Bible. You don't have to argue with them, but don't receive it. When you first have your baby the first year, most people deal with depression. Yeah, I'm not, okay? But you can have mine too. People just re receive. Heathens deal with the curse. So they're, they're used to it. I've been having people tell me that since Camila was out of the hospital when she was born. Oh, look how cute. She turns 14 and gets a boyfriend, though. It's a different story. Hey, number one, she's three days old. Can I just enjoy her for a little bit, you dark cloud? Are you a person or a demon? Who, who just says that? What a cute baby. Wait till she gets a boyfriend. Yeah, it's going to be a while. She's half a week old. So then people start saying that stuff. Isn't it amazing how the devil made sure? Like I might be the first faith person that you ever had come into your life, but I guarantee you've had plenty of unbelief people. It's a kind me. Try raising a kid in this day and age. Thank you, Lucifer. Thanks for the encouraging word. Every commercial on TV is getting you ready to get sick. Luvestra, whatever. Are you over the age of 40? When you are, no, not for me. Everybody say, not me. Say, I'm not cursed. So poverty is part of the curse. Mental problems are part of the curse. Household and family problems. Deuteronomy 28, 30, 32, and 41. Number five, long-standing affliction, verses 58 and 59. Number six, physical sickness, disease, and untimely death. Deuteronomy 28, 20 to 22, 27, 58 to 61. And number seven, you'll be removed from the land. Verses 48 to 50 and 63 to 64. Say, I'm redeemed from all those things. Now, he didn't just redeem you from them. 
He gave you, he broke the curse. Um, Brother Jay, Brother Preston, come stand on either side of me. I'm going to have Jay be the curse and Preston be the blessing. I was under the curse. The curse followed me around. If I move to California, he follows me because I'm under, I'm under the curse. The Bible says no matter where you go or what you do, you'll be cursed. I, I can't run from him. Things aren't working out in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to go, over, I'm moving down to Myrtle Beach because I'm from Pittsburgh and the only two places I know on planet Earth are Pittsburgh and Myrtle Beach. I have a map with two cities on it. So I'm going to go, well, you go down to Myrtle Beach, you'll recreate the same life there. I'm a, I'm a barber in Pittsburgh. Things flamed out. I'm going to cut hair in Myrtle Beach, make the same enemies, run myself out of the shop the same way. Anybody have a friend that left home, went somewhere else, and recreated the exact same life within 18 months that they fled from? Same girlfriend with a different name? I'm breaking up with this alcoholic so I can date another alcoholic. Because you can't outrun a curse. Well, Jesus, number one, detached the curse from my life. Now, you got basically three types of churches. One does, just ignores all this stuff. Then two, Pentecostals got an understanding that there's a curse and Christ freed you from it. So they'd have healing services, deliverance services, because they knew you could be free from the curse. But it's not just freedom from the curse. Not only when I got saved do I have the ability to walk away from him. If Preston's the blessing, who holds, hold your hands out who holds in his hands all the blessings of God. I have the ability to attach myself to the blessing of Abraham and have everything that's contained in the blessing of Abraham. Now think of this. Just like if I don't know what the curse is, then I don't know what I can be free from. How do you know we're not cursed? Amen. Yes, but what is the curse? That's why I itemized it for you. Same with the blessing. I'm blessed. Amen. How, what does that mean? Well, you know, I just feel better. Yeah, that's great. But just like there's specific curses, there's specific blessings. And I'm going to tell every one of you what belongs to you today. No prayer required. No pleading required. You can just lift your hands and say thank you that all things that pertain to life and godliness have been given unto me. Thanks, guys. Say, I'm not under the curse, but I am under the blessing. What's in the blessing? Turn to Deuteronomy 28 and let's read 1 to 14. And I, I, I probably overemphasized this. But say it with me. Say this is the word of God. This is not like happy thoughts. This isn't like a book God wrote to like give you a positive outlook. This is what constitutionally the same way because I know the Constitution of Pennsylvania, you can't deprive me. You know, even when we go to get our land like we're doing right now for the church, we don't want any more churches to be built. That's too bad for you. You cannot legally do that. So you, you can't legally deprive a church from acquiring property and using it for worship. It doesn't matter that you're backslidden and don't like churches. It's illegal. So I'll have it my way because I'm backed up by the law. And that's what the devil does a lot. You're going to be sick. Oh, no, Mr. Devil. Oh, what? You think because you're positive you can? No, it's not being positive. Legally, I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. Say, I'm not having it. 
What's in the blessing? Deuteronomy 28.1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings. How many of them? Say, I can have all of them. Well, yes, things will get better, but, you know, you can't expect. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you, if you obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience, not you'll believe in them. Say, I will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven directions. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you're a people claimed by God and they'll stand in awe of you. I don't mean to keep going back to that illustration, but heathens will stand in awe of you. Those people at the casino did. There weren't a lot of people loading their wife and child into their car. Into their, and you can just tell it, pressure free, big tip. What's your name? What are you do, what's your plans for life? How are you? Not, not, don't, don't scratch my effing car. Like I heard one guy say to him, I don't have that. I'm, I'm not cantankerous. I'm kind, tenderhearted, loving one another. Can you say Amen. So they know, what do you do for a living? This your wife? Not a lot of wives there. Say, I'm on a different track. And say, it's, it, I show forth God. Say, I'm his child. Make sure to edit that part out so we don't get our program rejected from Daystar again. The Lord will give you prosperity. Now here's the bridge I crossed. Yeah, no, we believe in healing. We believe in deliverance. But we don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Okay, it's there. Along with the healing and, de and deliverance. And freedom from enemies. So why are you going to pick some of the blessing when you can have all the blessing? What good is it to be healed and broke? Not be able to accomplish any of your dreams with a perfectly healthy body. What good is it to be full of money and sick? Like Rockefeller was. All you can have is two crackers and half a glass of milk and you're a billionaire. But thank God, the same God that gives you a healthy body to enjoy the blessing gives you the blessing to do great things in, in God's name. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. You will lend to many, but you will not borrow. You will lend to many, but thou shalt not borrow. Now, I made up my mind 
I'm going to prove that part of the Bible. And I have so far, and I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to do everything the Lord's called us to do without ever having one secular person be able to say, we did that, and if, he didn't, if we didn't do it, he wouldn't have been able to do it. If God said that you can do what he's called you to do without ever taking a loan, then I'm, then, then I'm going to prove it. You know, yeah, but Jonathan, you have to be realistic. I am being realistic. It's not unrealistic to believe that God meant what he said. Secondly, you have the entire Hasidic Jewish and Orthodox Jewish community that believe that, that won't take loans. Only from each other at zero interest. Amazing what you can do if you fully believe the first five books of the Bible instead of sort of believe the 66. Take the Bible literally. I can literally be healed. How many know when Jesus healed the crippled man? Many of us have been crippled by society. That's not what it means. He made the legs that could not walk, walk. He made the eyes that could not see, see. There was a gold coin in a fish's mouth that paid their taxes. Can you say amen? Can you say better amen? Amen. Say, I'm going to have all of it. Say, I'm not allowing religion to talk me out of any of it. Don't tell me what parts of the covenant I can have and which parts I can't have. I'm having the whole thing. I took, um, there was an all-you-can-eat buffet at a hotel I was staying at on another continent. And they had two big guys driving me around. And it was $60 U.S. for this buffet at the, at the hotel, very nice hotel. But I can't eat that much. But these guys they had with me, the one guy was six foot eight. I had a feeling he could eat a lot than the other guy. So I took him to the hotel with me. Now I go through the buffet. I have some rice, and then I don't know what that is. I'm going to skip it. And just pick like three things. But when I got that six foot eight guy and said, I already paid your meal, you can eat as much as you want. I guarantee you they regretted making it, you can eat as much as you want. Because he went up to that buffet and, and devoured it. Just took the spoon without looking. Anything that was there was on the plate. And then ate it and went back again. Don't take my buffet approach to the Bible. Take Big John, who was his name. I was Little John. Yeah. He is Big John. A lot of 90s rap fans here. He went up there and devoured that thing. If I could leave you with something on this Sunday, it's to get into that Bible and find out Some of the buffet isn't yours. Some of the buffet didn't pass away with the last apostle. Everything this book says belongs to me, belongs to me. I'm going up with a big spoon and a big plate. I'm loading up healing. I'm loading up provision. I'm loading up joy. I'm loading up peace. It belongs to me. I didn't pay the price the same way I paid the 60 bucks for him. Jesus paid, not 60 bucks. He paid with all his blood that the curse can be broken and the blessing belong to me. If you receive that, you're thankful for it. Let the Lord hear your joyous hand clap. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm redeemed. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and be careful to obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top. How often will you be on top? I mean, no, there's ups and downs. That's not what it says. You made that up. 
You heard somebody else say it and started repeating it, but it ain't in the Bible. What does the Constitution say? I don't care what your denomination says. What does the Constitution say? How much will you be on top? How often will you be at the bottom? You know, if that was the only verse in the Bible, I'd get sick. Always at the top, never at the bottom. Jonathan, I'm at the bottom. I'm so far at the bottom, I got to look up to see the bottom. Yep, so was Paul in Acts 28, verse 1. In fact, you're higher than the apostle Paul was because you at least have your freedom. Unless you escape from prison and you're sitting here. Which if you did, I'm not judging you. And what happened in 10 verses? Did the circumstances cave in Paul's light of God's word? Or did the light of God's word make the circumstances change? Don't ever interpret the Bible based on where you are now. I can't do what Pastor Rodney and Pastor Jonathan do. I'm just a small ministry. So were we. He was a small ministry a long time ago. I was a small ministry a short time ago. I kept waiting for my luck to run out, to be honest with you. I kept waiting for things to regress. We've hit a hot streak. We've had a good six months. Obviously, this can't continue. This is impossible. Thankfully, I was never stupid enough to say it, but I was thinking it. I'm not making plans for my next year based on what God did these last six months. They would be insane if it continued. But it not only continued, it multiplied. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup. Turn to Psalm 22. Verse 1. Musicians, you can come up. That gives the people some hope that I'll be stopping soon. Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Where'd you hear that before? Who said that at another place in the Bible? Psalm 22. I'm going to give you a little theology lesson. Psalm 22 is the psalm of Jesus' crucifixion. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you don't answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. So this is Jesus quoted that because Psalm 22 is the crucifixion psalm. But Psalm 23 is the resurrection psalm. Turn to Psalm 23. Say, I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. What's the blessing? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. He lets me rest. Everybody say peace. In green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not be afraid of anything. For you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. 
prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. You anoint me with oil. I'm anointed and my cup runneth over. Say it so the devil can hear you. I'm anointed and my cup runneth over. Say it again. I'm anointed and my cup runneth over. Yeah, that's Psalm 23. Jesus rose. God didn't stay forsaking him. He took our forsaking so that we can be one with him. Those have that have died in baptism have put on Christ like a new garment. Instead of saying, I'm sad, I'm weary, I'm defeated, I'm sick, say I'm anointed with fresh oil and my cup of blessing runneth over. In fact, the New Living Translation says my cup of blessing runs over. My cup overflows with blessing. That's New Living Translation. My cup overflows. Say my cup overflows. My cup overflows with blessing. Not trouble, not not sickness, blessing. So, surely, not hopefully. I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, you know, I know Pittsburgh people. People hear a message like this that are, and they'll say, well, I hope that's true. It won't be true for you. It's not hopefully, it's surely. You have to leave here today with an assurance in your heart that if God's word ever worked for anybody, it's going to work for me. If God's word ever worked for anybody, it's going to work for me. And I'm looking at every one of you. Some of you have been out of jail for a week and a half that are here. Some of you have never been to jail. Some of you never graduated high school. Some of you have advanced degrees. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you believe the word of God, it shall be accounted as righteousness unto you, and you'll have what God says you have. You'll be what God says you are. You'll do what God said you can do. I said you'll be who God said you are. You'll do what God said you can do. And you have what God said you have. Stay on your feet. Say I have what God said I have. I can do what God said I can do. I am who God says I am. I battled depression. What scripture is that? Who taught you to say that? Quit battling what Jesus already cut the head off of and walk on it today. Enjoy the blessings of God. Say surely. Say not hopefully. Surely. Goodness and mercy will follow me every day of my life. Israelites did God say could possess the promised land? How many of them? How many families went in? Two. Why? Because everybody else, actually ten other families said, we're not able. Though God told us we could possess the land, there's giants. They were giant focused. 
But two said, though there's giants in the land, if the Lord be with us, we are well able to go and take the country and possess it from Jordan to the sea. We should go at once and take it, for the giants are merely bread for us. And two went in, ten rejected it, and then ten spread their evil report of unbelief. And the people believed them. I know that Jonathan guy said, did, you, did I write Deuteronomy? Did I write Galatians 3? I just yell it at people. I have nothing to do with it. But I believed it. I believed it with a negative bank account. Father, the blessings of Abraham belong to me. I'm the seed of Abraham. I'm blessed in Jesus' name. I got up to preach in Vermont with minus $300 in the bank in 2007. And nobody ever heard a word about it. I preached on the blessing of Abraham the whole week. You just thought I was the richest guy in Vermont. The head of Cabot Cheddar Cheese or whatever. I don't care what my circumstances are. I care what God said. And like Paul in Acts 28, 1 to 10, I'm going to line my life up with what God said. No matter how dark things are on the outside, they're not able to extinguish the light of God's word. And now you have the light of that word in you. And the same thing Paul did, you're going out this week to do. Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of almighty God. If you receive that one last time, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Everything I preach begins with being redeemed. All who have put their faith in Christ Jesus share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Have you ever received Jesus Christ? If you're here at this church right now or watching on television and you're miserable, the reason you drink is because you're miserable. You're on pills and stuff out of being miserable. And you've never given Jesus Christ lordship of your life. You've never made him savior of your soul. Do that today. Why leave your chair and go back for another week of misery when you can receive a life of victory today? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in your house. If you've never done that or you once did and you fell away, You allowed sin to come in, but you want to give the devil the boot. Kick him out the door of your life and have Jesus come in. If you need to do that today, I want you to put your hand up high and we're going to pray together. Me and you, put your hand up. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Let me see your hands. I see your hands. Who else? Who else? I don't want to go back to a life of sin. I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to enter into his blessing. Everyone that lifted a hand, come and join me at the white line right now. We're going to pray. Come right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Quickly come. Yes, more. That's awesome. Just stand right there. Pray with you. Face Come right to the middle. Who else? If the Lord's dealing with your heart. If you're watching on television, there's a number at the bottom of the screen. Call it. We're waiting to pray for you right now. Love you guys. Makes me happy. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say this out loud. There's a real God that hears you. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life today. I turn my back on sin. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. 
I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.